In today's Trouble with the Snap, Colton and I will be previewing a pretty solid Week 9 coming up uh, before jumping into our locks of the week and finally closing out the show with a Halloween-themed discussion. All right, let's roll the intro. Nick Saban, and in 2003, the Tigers countered the Beast Seattle. Michigan State's Jalen Watts takes in and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable! All right, everybody, welcome back to the latest episode of Trouble with the Snap. I am Will, as always, joined by my magic carpet of a counterpart, Mr. Colton Deutsch. Colton, how are we doing? We're doing pretty well. Looking forward to some Halloween weekend festivities and some college football, of course. So. Real quick, I know I just called you the magic carpet. Would you mind giving some people a little backstory on that? Yeah, so last year for Halloween, me and my roommate wanted to do a little duo type of costume for a party. So he dressed up as Aladdin and I was his magic carpet. So we bought a carpet that kind of, I guess, fit me per se and then cut a hole in the middle, put it over my head. Yeah, it was a it was, it was a pretty awesome costume. That. <laughs> That's actually that's really creative. I gotta give you some credit on that one. Yeah, we were just looking for some sort of a funny duo costume, and we were in I think the depths of Reddit, and we just found this really funny picture of this guy wearing a carpet with his with one of his friends as, as Aladdin, and we thought that was the perfect costume. So we pretty much tried to emulate that picture, and yeah, it was awesome. I posted it on my Instagram the little side by side. It was really funny. That's good. So, um, you know, that's that's pretty tough to follow up um, with this upcoming year, considering just how how hard that costume went last year. Uh, what are you uh, what are you going as this year? Yeah. So last night I was Harry Potter and my date was a fairy. So it was a little bit of rhyme, no reason with Harry and fairy. And so that was that was I think was a solid costume, but I've never even seen Harry Potter. So I guess it didn't mean as much to me. And then, yeah, it's been a it's been a tough decision. I was I was thinking about rolling with the Travis Hunter giraffe onesie or maybe a panda, but it's a really hot and humid right now in Austin, and so I think maybe just going as a Jedi could be could be the play. So we'll have to see. What about you? Um. So originally I was gonna go as Scooby Doo, like that Scooby Doo onesie, um, because being in College Station, as we all know, the legend of Johnny Manziel when he was still in college. Uh, one of his most notorious nights out ever on Northgate was on Halloween, and he wore a Scooby-Doo onesie. Um, and so I was kind of thinking about maybe replicating that magic. Um, but like everything else in my life, I waited till the last minute, and I realized that by the time I would have ordered the costume, it wouldn't have showed up on time. So currently, um, my best fallback is a costume that I had last year. And I think... Uh, since my my hands are kind of tied and it's the only thing I got left, I think I'm going as a hot dog this year. Nice. Yeah. That's always uh, solid. A banana is a good call too. You can do that. Yeah. Um, well, I had that hot dog onesie kind of looking costume at home 
Um, and so I was just like, hell with it, so, you know, because I was also kind of in the, the same boat as you, um, cause you know, it, it's, it's rained a ton here in college station the past 48 hours or so. And so it's really hot still outside and, uh, really humid. And so a onesie kind of Scooby-Doo thing like that, kind of like what you were saying about your Travis Hunter suit. Um, it's just too hot right now. Yeah, I, I, it's just, and a onesie is obviously one of those things that you can't really take it off or so yeah i think i think definitely something a little bit cooler is is probably the way to go but you should you should wear a costume to the game tomorrow that might that might um that might not be a bad a bad idea that'd be that'd be pretty funny mm-hmm. um you want to just dive into uh, these games yeah there's some fun games to look forward to so let's take a look at a big time big 12 matchup you have oklahoma going to Lawrence, Oklahoma is leaving the land of extensive mobile homes in the state of Oklahoma and heading to Lawrence, which should be a pretty awesome crowd here. Unfortunately, KU starting quarterback Jalen Daniels is still dealing with that back tightness, and I don't think he's played since before the Texas game, which is a real shame because he's a really awesome quarterback. But Jason Bean, who's a legit starter in his own right, has played very well in his place. And, yeah, I mean, I could see – the Jayhawks putting up some points here. I'm curious to see if the Sooners are going to be able to manufacture any sort of a run game outside of Dylan Gabriel, which they have struggled to do here. But ultimately, I see this as a 38-28 to 28 type of game. I don't think that Kansas is going to be able to get enough stops to pull this upset. So I'm going to roll with the Sooners. All right, moving on to, uh, I guess, my big game of the week. That is um, South Carolina coming here to College Station to take on AM. Um I'm not really sure I have much to say about this game, to be honest with you. Um, you know, AM going into this game, they're coming off their bye week of the season, so they're, they uh, should be really refreshed, really recharged, um, and hopefully they should play uh, you know 100 times better than they have uh, their past few games this season. Uh, I'm looking for a really big day out of quarterback Max Johnson. Um, you know, clearly when uh, A&M took on Tennessee and Alabama, he struggled certainly at times, no question. So I'm really looking for him to maybe clean up his decision-making a little bit tomorrow um, because, as I was mentioning, those past few games, he certainly was, he's been bit by the turnover bug a little bit. So it would be a really nice thing and positive thing to see him clean up those decisions and maybe limit the turnovers. Um, another thing for AM as well, I'm looking for a pretty big day out of their defensive line as Colton and I, as Colton and I have mentioned um, in previous episodes throughout this season, uh, South Carolina's offensive line is just almost non-existent at times. And so with AM's talent that they have on their defensive line and what I was just saying about South Carolina's offensive line, um, I'm really thinking that, uh, DJ Durkin and his def- and his defense should have pretty much a field day um, on South Carolina. The only thing that scares me, as always, as I said throughout the season, is AM's secondary. And as we know, Spencer Rattler, um, when he actually does have a decent amount of time in the pocket, he can certainly deliver the ball um, on a dime for the most part. And so, um, if AM if AM's uh, defensive front is able to get back and wreak havoc all day against Spencer Rattler, then I think this will be a pretty lopsided game in favor of the Aggies. However, if that is not the case, I certainly still think AM will pull off the win, but this game will probably be a lot closer than it should be. But either way, I'm liking the Ags in any way, shape, or form as I look at this game. Let's take a look at a Big 12 matchup. You have the University of Houston Cougars going to the Little Apple, Manhattan, to play 
the Kansas State Wildcats here. Kansas State is playing some good ball of late. They, and so is U of H. They have played very well the last couple of weeks and beat West Virginia and almost beat Texas. And yeah, we'll see how Donovan Smith and Kolsch Holgo can respond on the road here. But with Kansas State, it's, it really seems like they found something at quarterback there with Avery Johnson and Will Howard in this little kind of two quarterback system thing that, that they have going on. And I just think that Houston is going to really struggle to contain them on the ground. And I think Kansas State should win this game pretty handily. All right, now let's take a look at the world's largest cocktail party. I'm most likely referring to the Georgia-Florida game down in Jacksonville this upcoming weekend. Um, straight up, I'll, I'll just say it now. I think Georgia will – I don't want to say steamroll, but I certainly think Georgia will win this game by at least two scores against Florida. Um, you know, as we've as we've said, Georgia is certainly in a bit of a down year by their standards, but at the same time, they, they're still undefeated up to this point in the season and the number one team in the country. Um as for Florida, Colton and I were kind of discussing this a little bit. They are five and two at the moment, but they kind of feel like a bit of a paper tiger. Um, at least that's our opinions on it. Um, you know, you look at what they did last week against South Carolina. They won forty-one to thirty-nine. I, I get it; that game was on the road, um, but still, that's uh, a bit of a, I guess, a head scratcher considering, um, you know, because they were able to beat Tennessee in the swamp, and then you go on the road a couple weeks later and kind of struggle a little bit against um, a, a worse South Carolina team. So it's they're they're really interesting um, up to this point in the season. But anyways, as for this game, I'm definitely liking Georgia. I, I think this game will be all dogs. Um, you know, Carson Beck, he's actually – he's really stepped up his game uh, these past few weeks of the season. He's really coming into his own a little bit, in my opinion. And um, I'm liking what I've seen from, seen from him over these last two to three weeks, so on and so forth. Um, so no question, give me the dogs by quite a bit in this game. Let's look at the game. I'll be at BYU coming to Austin. And pretty much the story of this game, I think, is injuries. BYU is pretty dinged up. Obviously, the Longhorns are without quarterback Quinn Ewers. And even more than Quinn being out, I'm interested to see if a lot of Longhorns defensive starters that have been nicked up, such as Ryan Watts and Gavin Holmes, Jalen Catalan, if Alfred Collins, if any of those guys are able to give it a go. And if not, that could cause some real issues for Texas. Ultimately, this BYU offense has not been very good this year. Keaton Slovis is their quarterback, another one of those USC, old USC quarterbacks that's been in college for probably 20 years now. And yeah, I mean, look, with – you know, with BYU, they're an older, experienced team, and they're solid. They're not going to beat themselves, and they are one of the better defenses in the country in terms of forcing turnovers, but that also comes with some risks, and I think that Texas can make BYU pay for it if they try and take too many risks. But, yeah, ultimately, I just I think Texas is going to have to be able to run the ball here and that they need Malik Murphy to just get the ball to the playmakers and try and stay out of any trouble and not you know kind of hand BYU this game. But... Yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm interested to see if JT Sanders is able to be back to close to 100% healthy because having a star tight end like that is always key when you have a new quarterback. So yeah, the line for this game that we'll talk about is pretty big in favor of the Longhorns. I could see the Longhorns winning this game by double digits, but I don't think it'll be any sort of a blowout. And I think this will be a pretty tight one that the Longhorns find a way to pull out the win at home. I agree with you on this one. Um, I think that in order for Texas to get the win here, Malik Murphy just has to have just like an average day at the office, if you know what I'm saying. He, um, I mean, obviously that's the biggest story going into this game is how Texas' offense will look now with Quinn Ewers being down for the next couple of weeks. Um, however, I, Texas has that many weapons, you know, 
on offense where I feel pretty comfortable in choosing them in this game, no question, even though Malik Murphy, it's it's his first start of the entire season, so it really depends on how he comes out. But I truly think that just an average and maybe even a little bit below average day for him, just as long as he can hit maybe some screen passes or slants over the middle, um, you know, the studs on offense will do the rest. As for, as for uh, the Longhorns as well, though, um, if Malik Murphy comes out kind of flat or um, just isn't really – looking in sync with some of his guys, whatnot, then they will absolutely have to rely on the run game. But at the same time, that's absolutely no problem when you have a stud. Um, we have one of the best running backs in the entire Big 12, arguably if not the country right now in the backfield. So either way, Texas, in my opinion, gets completely outguns BYU in this game. Um, and I think that the Longhorns should have no problem taking care of business. Yeah, interested to see what the Longhorns' defensive game plan looks like too. They've been... I think yeah. kind of off with that the last couple of weeks and obviously injuries play a big part in that. But I think BYU is a team that you want to try and play aggressive and not let them get too comfortable. But yeah, we'll see. I'm thinking it's going to be a, a very close game in Austin. Let's look at a fun game in the Pac-12 here. You have Oregon going on the road to Rice Cycles where Utah rarely loses to face the Utes who are riding high. I'm calling this the game of the week, by the way. No, they really could be. I mean, you look at it, Bryson Barnes and this Utah offense is playing a lot better of late. It seems like they found something there with Sione Vaki and obviously Jaquinna Jackson is a stud there, but it's just hard every time that you look at Utah and you just wonder what this year could be if they had Cam Rising, who's obviously one of the better quarterbacks in the country, but I guess we'll find that out next year. But yeah, look, it's tough to beat Utah on the road there, but I just think that Oregon is going to be able to force Bryson Barnes into some turnovers with Dan Lanning and then plays good defense. And I think that Bo Nix, Troy Franklin, Bucky Irving, and these guys in Eugene are going to find a way to put up enough points to walk out of Rice Cycles with a win and keep their playoff hopes alive. So this game I feel like could go either way um, in my eyes, but ultimately I will also roll with the Ducks here just because, um, you know, they're they're 6-1 and one for a reason. Their only loss came to a, a, on a game-winning field goal against a top-five Washington team on the road. So if they were, you know, little to – not phased at all in that game. I don't see how they, how this game on Saturday will be any different. Um, as for the Utes, you know, I, I love the Utes. I've always I've always really enjoyed their program, their school. But as Colton was saying, you know, that I, I'm afraid that this season will pretty much be a big what if once it's over because of Cam Rising. Um, however, I will give credit where it is due. Bryson Barnes has been playing really well up to this point, especially as we saw last week leading the charge in that major comeback. Well, not major comeback, but leading the comeback. Um, against USC in the Coliseum to get that game-winning field goal. That's huge. Um, but ultimately, I'm right there with you, Colton. I think Oregon will just be a little too much for uh, Utah to handle, no matter how physical they are on the, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I just think Oregon will just straight up just be too much. Let's look at another pretty big matchup here. This time in the ACC of Duke going to Louisville and does not sound like Riley Leonard, the Duke star quarterback, is going to be able to give it a go. Louisville, you're kind of looking to bounce back and get the season back on track after that loss to Pittsburgh and hopefully keep yourself in that ACC race. This is a, a, a pretty big game for that now that Carolina went down. Now you have kind of two teams that are looking to get to Charlotte, hopefully play Florida State. But I'm going to go a bit against the grain here. I think that Duke gets it done even without Riley Leonard. Really? I do. You think that I have a lot of faith in Elko, and yeah. I, I don't know unless they're just so beat up from the Florida State game. I don't know. I, mean, I think Jeff Brom's done a good job at Louisville, but I think they're kind of overachieving a bit right now. That's probably a really good point. Um, 
I mean, we st- we did see what that uh, Duke defense did for the first three quarters last week against Florida State. I mean, of course, you play four quarters in football, so the first three don't really matter. Uh, well, you get what I'm saying. Anyways, um, yeah, no, that's that's a really interesting take. Even without Riley Leonard, do you still like the Devils? I do. Interesting. I like that. Um, well, that's the thing for me is that I feel like I, I – you know, a healthy Riley Leonard, absolutely. I'm taking Duke, no no questions asked. I mean, you saw exactly what he did like week one or week two, whatever it was against Clemson. We all remember that game. It was an absolute throttling, it felt like. Um, anyways, that's the thing, though, is that that healthy Riley Leonard that we saw at the beginning of the season, he's no longer here right now, even if he does play against Louisville on Saturday. So... Um, I don't know. It'll just be really interesting. Um, I'm I'm certainly leaning a little bit more towards Louisville, um, and you know Vegas is as well. Louisville's a six point favorite in this game, but that it's also at home. But anyways, I think this could be a really interesting game, and certainly one to keep my eye on uh, tomorrow. Let's run through a couple big time G five matchups. You have Tulane going to Rice Stadium, hoping for a big day out of JT Daniels and Michael Pratt for Tulane has really, really stepped up. I mean, last year, obviously, he was a quarterback on that conference championship team and that Colin Bowl winning team. But a lot of that was kind of Ty J Spears, the running back, kind of being the main guy there while Pratt was just a solid quarterback. And now Pratt's kind of assumed the role of being the star player of that team, and he's done a great job. So, see, this could be a big signature win for Rice, but I think the Tulane finds a way to get it done, and they keep their hopes alive at locking in that G5 near six spot, depending on what happens with Air Force and two other teams. UNLV, who's 6-1, and one, is going to Fresno to play the Bulldogs. And, yeah, I just think that UNLV, the turnaround there has been pretty cool. Anytime a team in Vegas is playing some good football, that's always fun. And their new OC, Brennan Marion, is kind of a innovative guy of sorts in the offensive play calling role. He was at Pittsburgh as a receiver coach and implemented this sort of a – it's called the go-go offense, where it's kind of an interesting type of backfield with multiple uh, running backs and kind of this – almost this shotgun triple option type scheme. And he was at Texas last year and they did a couple things with it, but never got too much into it. Now he's, he's calling the plays for the rebels and they're playing well. So interested to see how that game turns out. And yeah, let's look at the sec again. You have Tennessee going to Kroger field in Lexington. Will, do you have any insight on this game? Yeah, this is, this is certainly going to be a really fun game to watch. Um, You know, Tennessee, they're looking for a pretty big bounce back considering what happened last week against Bama. Um, you know, they started out like a house on fire. Joe Milton was hitting all of his passes. Um, and then the second half started and they just forgot how to football. It's just straight up. And so, um, you know, Tennessee, I'm assuming that they're probably having a really rigorous week of, week of practice just to really clean that up and to make sure they can finish off uh, games going forward like that. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see. I'm not necessarily too interested to see what they will do in the first half, but more rather the second half of the, of the Kentucky game. Um, because if they have the lead at halftime, it'll be really fun to see. And I'm really curious to see if they can actually um, hold on to that lead and close out Kentucky. But um, anyways, on the other side of the ball, as for Kentucky, um, you know, they're looking for a a bounce back after their throttling last week against Missouri. Um, That's never fun to get throttled. So, um, you know, I'm looking for a pretty big game out of Devin Leary. This game is at home in Kentucky. And so, you know, I, uh, I would ultimately, in this game, I, even though it's a road game for Tennessee, I would still probably lean in their favor just a little bit. Um, but either way, in my, in my eyes, I can see this one going one way or another. I, I necessarily can't 
make a pick as of right now, but if I had to, I would probably, as I just said, lean more towards Tennessee just a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you. This is a really hard game to pick because it's kind of two offenses that I just have not seen as much from as I would like and two defenses that have been playing pretty well of late. But yeah, I think I'm going to lean Kentucky just at home. And I think that Devin Leary, even though he has ended the year that I want, I think he's better that I think he's a better quarterback than Joe Milton, or at least I can trust him more. And they have Ray Davis on the ground. So I think that Kentucky finds a way to get it done, but yeah, this is a really tough game to call. So it, it should be, should be a pretty fun one to watch. And then, yeah, let's close it out with Ohio state going to Madison, Wisconsin to play Luke fickle and the Badgers. And yeah, this is kind of a, thing for uh, Fickle getting to play against his old school. And yeah, I don't know. I think Ohio State blows him out here, but Wisconsin is still back in the thick of the Big Ten West race because Iowa refuses to score points, but they're probably going to fall back behind and hope for another Iowa loss after this one. I think Wisconsin, or sorry, I think Ohio State dominates that one. So I think that will wrap up our week nine preview. Will, do you want to give us some of your locks of the week? Absolutely. So I have two. Um, Which, by the way, Will is on a hot streak right now. So listen to Will. Well, partially, because I completely whiffed on that Army bet last week. But at the same time, that I knew as soon as I made that um, and announced that when we were recording, it felt kind of egregious, just outrageous. Um, but anyways, um, I, I tried to uh, simplify my locks a little bit this week, or at least not as crazy as my Army one. Anyways, my first lock of the week, I have Houston plus 17.5 versus Kansas State. Um, I know I just said I, I kind of weakened them or I'm not going as crazy, and yet I'm still picking a plus. I'm still picking a team that's a 17.5 point dog. Um, anyways, so I'm, I'm picking Houston to, uh, to cover. I'm not picking them to win, but I'm certainly picking them to cover. Um, just because seeing how they played last week against Texas, you know, Texas is arguably the best team in the Big 12 this year, aside from Oklahoma. And seeing that they were able to take them down to the wire uh, and late in the fourth quarter, that uh, really gave me some encouragement. And I'm, I'm thinking that that momentum that they had in last week's game, I know that they're on the road now. Uh, are they're in, as Colton said, the little apple now uh, this week, I still think that they will do just enough to cover that plus 17 and a half. And for my other lock of the week, uh, we did just talk about this a moment ago, but I am taking Louisville minus six over Duke. Um, I'm taking Louisville in this game, mainly because we don't really know the status of Riley Leonard. And even if he does play, he's pro- he's probably going to be extremely limited just because he's still nursing that lower leg injury. Um, so because of those factors, I realize that Mike Elko will probably have an incredible defensive game plan for Louisville. But at the end of the day, I still think that Louisville being at home, big opponent like that, they will, uh, they will cover this game minus six. So my first log of the week, I am taking BYU plus 20 against Texas on the road. And look, I think Vegas will try and do this thing sometimes where like, there's no, I think it's hard to say that, or like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like week to week, things don't really carry over in, in college football, you know, just because OU won by two last week doesn't mean that they can't cover against Kansas this week. So I think that's maybe some of the, the, the thinking there on Texas and then maybe they will be able to finally dominate a team. But I don't know, like I said, Texas, obviously not, not only missing Quinn Ewers, but they are having a lot of injuries to some big time guys offensively and defensively. And I just don't see that this game could be high scoring enough for Texas to win by 20 plus. Like, I think that's just, there's a lot of points. I see this more of a, maybe a 27 to 14 type game or 
I don't know, 21 to 10 maybe if the defense plays awesome. So, yeah, I'm going to take BYU to cover that. And my other lock of the week is UCLA minus 15 at home against Colorado. Colorado obviously has a bad taste in their mouth from that Stanford game a couple weeks back. And, look, UCLA has a really good defense that I think is going to stifle Colorado, especially because their line isn't very good and they can't really run the ball. And they bench Dante Moore, and he's a young guy, so – you hope that he'll get his confidence back at some point, but their offense has seemed to look better ever since they moved him to the bench. And yeah, I think UCLA is going to handle business here against the Buffs. All right. Now I think it's time that we jump to our last segment of the show. I just realized we're completely hauling ass through this one. Um, anyways, our last segment of the show, Halloween is coming up next, uh, this upcoming Tuesday, as of today's recording. Um, and so throughout the years, Colton and I have certainly had our fair share of good Halloween costumes. As we mentioned when we started the show, Colton literally went as a carpet last year. Um, and yet he, he still pulled that one off. So uh, aside from, I, I guess, uh, all of the, well, not aside from, excuse me, um, out of all of the Halloween costumes that you have ever worn in your entire life, Colton, what, what has been your absolute favorite? And um, what, I guess, which one has just been the overall best costume that you've worn? That's a great question. When I was younger, I was Mickey Mouse one year. Mm-hmm. I was too when I was like two years old. Yeah, see, I think I was like 12. So oh, okay. <laughs> I think it actually was in middle school. Really? Yeah, for uh, Robert's party. Sweet. I think so. But let me think. I liked a couple years ago for this event – my day was Corella DeVille and I was a Dalmatian, which was actually kind of fun. <laughs> I got a white shirt and drew all the things on it. I had the ears and I had thoughts on my face. So that was actually pretty fun. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know if anything can beat the carpet from last year. That was, yeah, that carpet that's, um, that's insanely creative. And you showed me the pictures or I saw your Instagram, like you, you pulled it off ni- like nicely done. It was so uncomfortable. It was really itchy. It's probably really hot too, wasn't it? Yeah, very hot. Yeah. Because actually, maybe it was a little. I think it was cooler this time last year around Halloween. Okay. Well, I remember wearing a hoodie, so that might have been. But I don't know. What about you? What's your favorite all-time costume? So I've had a, a few good ones throughout the years. However, I think the one that I that cannot be topped is I went as that pretty notorious inflatable orange t-rex back when i was either like a freshman in high school or like eighth grade um and so the thing that was that's i I was it was like really intimidating especially for like kids who used to walk up to our door in my neighborhood asking for candy because they weren't expecting like a six foot tall like dinosaur greeting them i mean i was as tall as like a water tower back then um but anyways i mean that costume it was awesome um pretty spacious too you know i mean it's it was inflatable it had a little fan pack on the back and it just you put some batteries in it would constantly inflate the costume and so you know you were saying that the carpet was in you know pretty hot and uncomfortable that that dinosaur was actually it was quite the opposite i really enjoyed that thing um but other than that man i'm trying to think i mean when i was a kid of course i i mainly I mainly just went as a couple of years. I went as like an a football player. Like I, I bought like a pair of like cheap shoulder pads and like put one of my like uh, 
I don't know, like jerseys that I had over the shoulder pads. And my dad had a few helmets lying around. So I did that. Um, I think I went as a Houston Astro, one of my first years back in Houston. Um, I don't know. I had a lot of like sport themed costumes, but I truly think at the end of the day, nothing will top um, that inflatable dinosaur. But also I will like to add in high school, I did also go, okay. I just thought of these right now. I apologize. Um, in high school, my freshman year, so the dinosaurs eighth grade year, my freshman year, I went as a German boy. He literally, uh, it was funny as hell. And I actually wore it um, on my last day of baseball practice that year. If I can find that picture, I'd, I'd be more than happy to show you so you know what I'm talking about. But anyways, it was literally, it was like a $20 costume I bought at like Party City. Um, like white shirt underneath it. Like kind of like overalls, like later hosen looking thing. And then like really like, uh, like knee high, like Dogs. white socks. Yeah. Yeah. And so I walked around in that. And it also came with a little, like, bucket hat, too. It was, like, brown. Like, it, it literally looked like I was, like, character out of Shrek, honestly. Um, but it was, that was hilarious. So if I can find the picture, I'll definitely show you. Um, and then, of course, after that, uh, my sophomore year, I took it kind of easier and just straight up went with the Ricky Bobby jumpsuit. And I thought it looked really good. And I, go. uh, I still have that jumpsuit at home. I, I'm not too sure where the cap is that goes with it, but I at least still have that jumpsuit. So... That's a, a pretty good fallback for any Halloween going forward. What's the best costume you've did you, you ever seen? Like maybe not one that you're wearing, but when you saw someone else wearing. Oh man, um, that's tough. That's really tough. I I don't know. What what about you? I I have to think about that one for a moment. Is there anything that comes to your mind? It's a good question. I saw. And I saw two people wearing crawfish suits last night, so that was actually pretty funny. Mm, I don't know. Nothing really jumps out at me. So but I, I, I have – I actually just thought of two. Um, so I remember maybe like five to six years ago, um, I was at an A&M football game with my family and all that. And like any good sporting event, they always show like the crowd and the jumbotron when the game's not going on. And somehow, some way, in the student section, they found an engineering student who um, had long brown hair down to his shoulders, if not a little bit longer, had a full-on beard, um, and he truly looked like Jesus. Like, you know, like, you know, when you think of Jesus, like the paintings you see from, like, ancient times and whatnot, like, he actually looked like Jesus in those paintings. Yeah, it was, it was crazy how accurately he looked at that. Anyways, um... It reached the point where, oh, well, he also got on the Jumbotron because he shaved um, a, the number 12 into his chest hair. So we started calling him 12th Man Jesus. Um, it was hilarious. And I've already showed you that picture. But if anyone out there listening to this is really curious as to see what a, um, a college football fan, if Jesus would, could be a college football fan, what he'd look like, uh, just search up 12th Man Jesus on Google. Um, but another one, though, I saw this. Um, it's not really funny. It's a lot more wholesome, actually. I guess it's for, like, uh, the older listeners in the audience for us. I saw this on Instagram a couple weeks ago. Um, there were these, like, two toddlers, and they went as, um, like, the, the dog Slinky from Toy Story. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's uh, awesome. One of the, like, the head of the dog is one of the toddlers, and the tail of the dog is one of the other ones. And in between them, they had, like, painted cardboard that was, like, spiraled, like how the metal is on the Slinky dog. And so they literally were just like following each other around like like this. Like the front one uh, couldn't make a move without without the back one doing it and vice versa. So I thought it was a really cute and really cool costume. 
That's great. Oh, actually, one costume that I saw last night, the two of my friends did, one of them was Miss Frizzle, and the other one was the Magic School Bus. <laughs> That's awesome. It was so cool. That's awesome. How did your fr- how did your friend dress as a bus, though? Uh, he just had, like, a onesie. Okay. It was so funny. Okay. That, that's yeah. really good. I like that. Oh, my gosh. For those that can't see Colton showing me the picture right now, that's hilarious. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like this bus. I mean, I guess it's kind of just like a yellow suit, and then they just attached like the Like a little picture of the bus. Of the bus. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, is they were getting ready, and then they obviously went to their event, and their sorority house is like one of the few that's right on campus mm-hmm. and so they're walking through campus and there's people like leaving class and going to class and they're just walking through as a magic school bus and this frizzle <laughs> it's pretty funny that's awesome um colton I, I realized that as i said earlier we were hauling ass through the show but that's pretty much all of our scheduled content um is there anything you have to say or anything on the top of your mind you want to get out there before we close out the show that's about all i've got hope everyone has a safe and fun halloween weekend and watches some good college football and uh for those i'm just kind of putting a little disclaimer out there for those that don't know living in texas for halloween it's supposed to be really cold on halloween not like freezing cold but it'll be like low low 50s upper 40s um as high as i believe in some parts of the state so if you're go- if you plan on going out trick-or-treating or going to the bars beating your friends whatnot i'm just giving you a, a, a heads up if you haven't checked the weather yet you might might want to bring a jacket with you yeah it's gonna be cold yeah um all right well anyways i think that will just about do it uh as always, you know, if you have any comments, suggestions, questions, etc., you know the gist of it at this point. Um, you know where to find us. Please feel free to reach out to us at any of our socials or our email. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you all. And if you have any suggestions, just let us know. But with all that being said, thank you very much for listening to the latest episode of Trouble to Snap. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you all.